Good morning. It is good to be here with all of you and to share a word from God, but just to give you a little introduction of who I am. Um, I've been a pastor for 33 years now, so, and I've served in New York City, I've served in South Central Los Angeles, and now I'm in Washington, D.C., among a couple other places. And what I'm about to tell you, I'm just telling you the word works. The word works wherever it's proclaimed, wherever it's spoken. And so I want to bring that confident word from uh, the epistle that was just read from you where Paul talks about, you know, faith says it's time to speak. For those of you who did support us when I was at the Lutheran Hour, I really appreciate that. Keep supporting that wonderful gospel ministry. And some of you actually are supporting my work in Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty. And just in a nutshell, what that is, we're trying to keep the government out of your business so you can keep proclaiming the good news of Jesus without fear. And uh, so keep us in your prayers. You want to know more about that? LCRLfreedom.org. LCRLfreedom.org. And that's all I'm going to say about what I do in D.C. till tomorrow. God bless you. Faith says it's time to speak. Here's the word again. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. And because of our faith in him, the scripture says it's time to speak. You know, when I look at this section of the Bible, in fact, there's so much in this, oh my goodness, when it talks about we're clay pots, we're no big deal, but we have this incredible treasure. What an incredible message to hear. We're no different than anybody else except for the Jesus that we have in our lives and the Jesus we have to share. And this section of the Bible talks about the confidence of living out that Christian life in Christ uh, with confidence, with boldness, with courage in the full reality of whatever's happening in the world today. In fact, you may think these are the worst times that have ever occurred in our, you know, we just got through the pandemic, there's all the crazy stuff in the culture. Uh, Folks, it, it can get a lot worse. And Jesus faced hell itself so that we don't ever have to face that. But this text says we can live boldly Christian lives no matter what time, no matter what place, because of who Christ is for us. You know, what are the times that we're living in? I was thinking of a kind of a humorous way of saying that. Uh, There was a teacher, she was teaching geography, and she wanted the kids to get really involved in it. So she said, we're going to play a game, kids, and I'm going to ask you certain things about certain states, and if you guess it right, you get like a special provision, a special gift. Okay, you ready? And then she said, which state has the most cows? Little girl raised her hand. Texas? You're right. You get an A. And she had a special gift. He said, all right, now which state has the most sheep? Little boy raised his hand really fast. Montana? You're right. Special gift. And then finally, teacher said, which state has the most turkeys? Finally, the little boy raised his hand and said, Washington, D.C.? <laughs> yeah, where, 
Where are the people we need leading today? People who will lead because it's the truth. People who will lead because it's the right thing to do no matter what happens to them. There's a lot of leaders. I run into a lot of leaders who do what's right for themselves or do what's right for their band of constituents. But when they don't, when they have to stand on principle, where are those folks today? And when we see what's going on in our culture, it's amazing to me all the never-ending wave of bad news. It's almost like they're using bad news to make us afraid of everything, make us afraid of living life. I mean, when Bill Maher can finally say that he's tired of people using bad news to keep us fearful, I mean, I don't usually agree with Bill Maher very much, but I agree with him there. We live life boldly in the face of whatever is happening in the world today. That's the Christian message. Has there ever been a time more necessary for people to be bold about the good news of Jesus Christ in the world in which we live? Because I'll tell you, I I, I think never has our culture been so confused about the basic things of life and still so confident that they can solve all of their problems. It's like, we want, it's like we want less and less of the good things of life and even less and less of God's things, and yet we'll take care of ourselves just fine. Have, I'll give you an example. Have you heard of the Google X initiative? Google X initiative. See, Google actually thinks with just technology and with information, they will, for the first time in human history, solve all of humanity's big problems. They're gonna take the radical problems, and and address it with radical technology to come up with radical solutions. Sounds radical. Now listen, when it comes to electric cars or televisions or smart houses or whatever, I'm a Google guy, that's fine. But when it comes to the issues that, that are really besetting humanity, the brokenness that comes from sinful, broken, 100% depraved hearts, we already have an X initiative, a radical solution. What is it? The God who created the world also then, instead of wiping it out and starting again, he actually sent his son. And his son didn't come like royalty. His son came like a servant. And he actually was willing to live our life, to die our death, to give us his life as a gift. That's radical. And then you just sang that song, Blood Applied. Think about this. The blood he shed, he now applies. Well, how do we know that? Well, the same God who came by grace through faith 2,000 years ago, he comes all the way to where you are today through words you can understand, water that gets splashed all over you, bread and wine where he says, take and eat and taste and see that this is good. And he applies that just to you as if you were the only one in the room. That's radical. And then he sends broken sinners like us who've received this good news, he sends us out to actually share it with other broken people just like ourselves. That's radical. And that's why I think when Paul writes this letter, he basically says, look, it's never been about us. It's always been about Jesus. They were clay pots and we have this treasure in jars of clay for a reason, but it's time Now, if you believe in that Jesus, it's time to not only understand what that means again for you, but it's time to speak that boldly for others. Nothing else and certainly nothing less. So just a few thoughts 
uh, for you this morning. The first one is this, and again, I try to keep it real simple because I want you to really take it in and, 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 and dwell on it. Sometimes the simplest things are the most profound things too, right? So the first thing is faith says it's time to speak. Faith alone says it's time to speak. And remember in catechism class, when you were taught the power of faith, the power of faith is not how much you believe it. The power of faith is what? It's object. So if you have the right object of faith, that's where your power comes from. Well, what's the object of our faith? Jesus Christ. So faith in Christ alone motivates us, empowers us, gives us the very content of, of what we're doing because that Christ is sufficient for us in all things. Faith motivates us. Not the personal success stories of self-help gurus, and we got lots of those in our culture today. Not the bodacious promises of modern political nobodies who keep telling you, we promise we're going to solve all of your problems. No, they're not. And not even the piety of God's people. It's not even about our own piety, our own religiosity. There's nothing wrong with that, but that's not what motivates us. That's not what's at our core. Faith in Jesus changes everything. You know, when you think about what faith in Jesus does, faith in Jesus actually transforms everything. We live now in a new reality. We live in a reality of freedom. I'm going to talk about two freedoms tomorrow. But we live, the Bible says in, in Galatians 5, it is for freedom that you have been what? Set free. That freedom, the world can never take away from you. But it's amazing we live in a world that gives us temporal freedoms that we can use in service to that eternal freedom. That's a good thing, and we'll defend that. But the point is, is the freedom we have in Jesus. Oh my goodness, it changes everything, because now you live in his freedom forever and ever. Wow. You live with a new motivation, because grace is like that. You get up every day and you ask, Lord, what are you going to do with me today? Even in spite of myself, what are you going to do with me? Who are you going to send into my life? Because you're the grace Lord at the beginning and the grace Lord at the end. And that's why Luther started his morning and his evening prayer as a grace way of looking at life. Or you live with a new perspective. You just want to grow up. You want to mature. You want to follow him because you can't wait to see what he's going to do. Not only in your life, but through your life for the sake of others. I mean, isn't that why you come to church? Don't you want to get to know more about this Jesus? Don't you want to see more about what he's done in other people's lives so that you can see maybe that's me, maybe that's me? Because he cares about you just as passionately. Let me illustrate. You know, last year, was it a tough year for you guys with this COVID stuff? Okay. Um, aren't you glad that Christmas still came? In the middle of COVID-19, when people were really suffering, Christmas still came. Advent still got us ready. Then we got into epiphany and we saw who this Jesus was again. No matter what was happening in our time frame, here he comes again and again and again. And then comes Lent and then comes Holy Week. Why is this Jesus who is my Savior, what's he doing hanging on a cross? Even Peter didn't want to see that. He's hanging on that cross for you. Again, he lives our life, he dies our death, and he gives us his eternal life as a gift. Wow. And that message comes every year. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, that Jesus is sufficient for you and for me. And so the first thing that we need to come to grips with is faith alone is what gives us the strength, the power, the courage 
the competence to be who we are in Christ for the sake of others. And so we've got to, you know, Christians can be confident in Jesus even when we're unsure of ourselves. And the church, Christ's church can do nothing for anybody until we're awed by our Savior. So again, first thing, faith says it's time to speak. The second thing is faith says it's time to speak. It's time to actually be people of the word for the sake of others. Let the word go forth from this time and place. Do you remember who said that? Oh, I, I, Jesus. Uh, actually, <laughs> actually, John F. Kennedy, remember that? Let the word go forth from this time and place to friend and foe alike. <laughs> it's my best JFK. <laughs> but that's the scripture. Let the word go forth. For it will do what I've called it to do. And that's what we get to be vessels of the word. You know, someone better start talking about Jesus because there's a lot of people don't even know him today. They kind of think they do, but they really don't. They kind of think we think we're better. You know, they kind of think Christians are just full of themselves. And that's exactly the opposite of what we think. We talk about being poor, miserable sinners and that Jesus is everything to us. They don't know that. They've never even heard those kinds of things. You know, if you think that everyone knows who Jesus is, uh, think again. I, I love the story I was told about a pastor. He got a day off. Now, do you let your pastors have a day off once in a while, even on Sunday? No. <laughs> he only works one day a week. Okay, I want to talk to you afterwards. <laughs> okay. You know, and, and so the senior pastor got a day off one time. And he, did, he wouldn't have to preach. So he thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go around and see what's going on in Sunday school class. Because they had Sunday school class going on all over the church. And he said, I'm going to the sixth grade boys Sunday school. So he went in and the, pastor, the teacher was talking about some stuff and everything. Pastor sat in the back like this. And then the pastor thought, you know, I, but I'd like to do a little something. So he raised his hand. Now listen, folks, if the pastor's in your Bible study and he raises his hand, please call on him. Okay? So the teacher said, yes, pastor. He said, you know, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm loving what you're talking about, the Old Testament stories. They're really powerful, powerful things. Can, do you mind if I ask you guys a couple questions? Yeah, Pastor, sure. Okay, I'll start with an easy one. Um, who knocked down the walls of Jericho? And nobody said anything. Come on, boys, who knocked down the walls of Jericho? And finally, one little boy did like this, and like this, and so he raised his hand. He said, well, pastor, he said, we don't knock, know who knocked down the walls of Jericho, but Billy and I didn't do it. <laughs> and then the pastor said, is that, and the teen looked at the teacher, and he said, is that a good answer? And the teacher said, well, I've been knowing these boys a long time. If they said they didn't do it, they didn't do it. <laughs> and the pastor was now beside him, said, what's going on in these Sunday school classes? And he walks out, and he's going like this, and he says, and the chairman of the congregation runs in him and says, pastor. Pastor, what's, what's going on? He goes, I just said, who knocked down the walls of Jericho? They said, Billy and I didn't do it. And the teacher said, I've been known as... And he said, Pastor, just calm yourself. Calm yourself. Listen, you know, let's not worry about who did what. We'll just take the money out of the treasury and we'll fix those walls. <laughs> yeah, if you think that everybody knows about Jesus... And so again, I, you know, one of the things we talk about is faith says it's time to speak. And I know one of the reasons why we don't speak is we're, we're so afraid. I get why we're afraid. Uh, I've been afraid. You've been afraid. We've, we're afraid we're not going to say the right things. We're afraid we're going to say no when God wants us to say yes. Or we're, gonna, we're afraid that God's yes doesn't mean anything to them because they don't believe that they need to repent. We know all of that stuff, but, but we still m march out and speak what God has given us to speak and let him do the rest. When I went to New York City as a pastor... 
I was called to New York to start a church on the Upper West Side and it was in Hell's Kitchen. Now, if you're going to start a church in New York, that's the best place to start one. And so I kept thinking, but when you get to, I remember I got off the plane and got there and I, I walked and I was walking down Broadway and I looked around and I thought, and there's churches everywhere. Did you know that? The, Brooklyn is the city of churches. There's more steeples in Brooklyn and in New York than in any city in America. Now, I'm not saying that they're preaching and teaching the gospel anymore. But as I got there, I looked around and I thought, oh my gosh, how are we this little band of people who proclaim this Jesus? How are we going to make any dent in this place? Now, God has a sense of humor. We were praying for a place to worship. Man, if we'd had a place like this, I mean, we'd have rocked it there, right? We were praying because in New York, if it's like $5,000 or $10,000 a month for like 800 square feet. Okay? Like the Friends, you watch that show Friends back in the day? That apartment's about 12 grand a month. So we didn't have the kind of money to find a space. Well, here's what happened. We prayed, Lord, give us just a space. We just want to be able to gather. We want to be able to share the word of God. We want to be in a neighborhood. We want to bless that neighborhood. So some people, this amazing story, some people were praying because their church was kind of dying. It's a long story. I'm not going to get into that now. They picked us out of a phone book and gave us the church. They had a $2.5 million bid on that church from a nightclub because the nightclubs were buying up churches so they could dance on the altars to desecrate them. And they didn't sell it, they gave it to us. Now here's the irony of that story. I got to this church and I'm like, wow. You know, it's Church for All Nations on the west side of New York. We're going to plant this church here. We're going to reach out to this neighborhood. And this church was an interestingly orange color. And I thought, man, it's a beautiful place. It's not a real big place, but a beautiful place. And it was set into the, you know, the, the facade of all these big high rises. Well, I found out about that church. There are two buildings in New York that are terracotta. One is the GM building. What's terracotta? Clay pot. And there's another building that was built by this artist in terracotta, and it was the church that was given to us. God has a sense of humor. He said, don't you worry about how big you are compared to how big this place is. Don't you worry about the message you think you can or cannot speak. You just, you know, be proud of me, be, fill yourself with my word, be motivated by faith, and tell anyone who will listen. And watch me bless you, and watch me bless them. It blew my mind. That's the God we serve. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. And the last thing I want to share with you is this. Faith says about this speaking, it's time. It's time. We sometimes look at our, ha- our past and we go, oh, if we only had leaders like that then. But the leaders like that then, who became the leaders that transformed the places that they were in or shared the transforming word of God, were leaders much like yourselves, who knew their sinfulness and knew the awesomeness of Christ. And they said, Lord, do with me as you will. You've been called for this time and place. You've been called to the family that you have. You've been called to the neighborhood where you serve. You've been called to the vocation in which you serve. The wisdom. You've been given the gifts that God has given you because he wants you to live life boldly and courageously right now and forever with him. 
And he would sure love to pull a lot of folks along that with you in that train. This is the time to speak. You know, never has there been a time, and I, I mean, it's amazing to me, um, we live in a time where evil is called good, and good is called evil. We live in a time where family is a dirty word, and the libertinism that has now come to full flower in our, in our culture today, the kinds of things we can see on our phones, the kinds of things we, that, that are just, you know, that we would have, it would have made us blush before. We live, we're promiscuity now and adultery. They're badges of honor. You can even become an influencer if you actually adopt these lifestyles. Where our children are taught they're merely animals. They don't have any purpose in life. That's what's taught to your kids in school. And you teach them what? They're made in the image of God. Created by God and even redeemed by God. There's value and purpose and direction in that. But that's now considered the kind of speech we don't want to hear. So again, this is the time that we've been birthed And Christ is calling us to be his people, just like Christ called Paul, Peter, and all those Christians of that day. When you speak Christ's word, you do offset the decay of this world. I know that's not our main work, but it is part of God's work. Things can get a lot worse if we don't preach even God's law, his curbing law. The founding fathers said that that there can be no just law in a culture that doesn't reflect the Ten Commandments to some degree. Doesn't mean they have to be exactly what they're telling. But if you have laws that violate the Ten Commandments, our founding fathers said those cannot be just laws, no matter how many people say they're true. So even when we proclaim God's ordering of the world, God's, the, the, the laws of God that curb us and call us to repentance, the society is blessed by that too. It's not our main work. It's not our main job. I get that. But it's part of our service, proclaiming God's preserving work for the sake of his saving work. So we as Christians have a role in trying to make this world a better place, even though we know that will never be perfect. But then our ultimate call is to proclaim what? The good news of the gospel in Jesus Christ, which is the only solution that really gets to the heart issue of humanity. So when you leave this place today, I want you to leave with this kind of confidence. You know, we talked at the, same, at the beginning. When we say Christ is risen, we go, he is risen indeed. But here's what that means. Because Jesus Christ lives, you will live also. Scripture says it. Because Jesus Christ lives in me, you just sang this, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Because Jesus Christ lives in you, the problem that you are facing right now, and some of you are facing really big issues, maybe it's terminal issues, maybe it's just issues in life, maybe it's just COVID stuff won't go away, but these issues are temporary and they will not detract you from the eternal life that you have in Jesus Christ. Because Christ lives in you, although my life, though it appears temporary, it is eternal. And because Christ lives in me, the successes that I have, the efforts that I put forth, none of that is in vain. Even if the world doesn't see any of it, none of it's in vain because he knits this stuff all together as a blessing. So I just leave you with that simple phrase, faith says it's time to speak. And when God's people realize that this is just Christ alive in them and through them, you will be blessed as you do, and others will be blessed through you. And that's my prayer for you today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and all of God's people said, amen. It has truly been a blessing to be with you. God be with you always. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Pastor.